Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Bankroll Burners, the podcast for poker players who can't stop getting it in bad. I'm Mike. And I'm Josh. And as always, we are going to be bringing you some hands, some hands we played that didn't go so well or that we could have played better, uh, or just some pure donk nonsense from the past few weeks of poker. Uh, And we're going to go through them together and try to figure out where it went wrong, how we could have done better, if at all. it's a, we, we could have. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And Mike, why, why don't you go first this week? I've got a, a real doozy that I'm saving for last. That is a spot ooh. that I've been thinking through met often since it happened. And I still have no idea what I should have done. But I'm pretty sure wow, what I did I, was probably wrong. So it's, uh, it's a classic bankroll burner's hand. And I'm sure we'll have many of those for you in the hour. Thanks as always for tuning in. And without any further ado, let's hop into what I assume is a 2-5 best bet orange park hand. Yeah, yeah, this is a 2-5 hand. Uh, this is from a session uh, today. And um, it has to do with uh, a particular exploit Josh and I have discussed in the past. And um, I, I, I'm i excited to see it. It was sort of a like how how extreme, how how meaningful is this exploit? How reliable is this exploit? Was what was going on in this hand? So great, we'll, we'll, yeah. Okay, so this is a, a two five hand, as you said, and um, we're we're about six hundred effective with the main villain in this hand, uh, and plus one limps this hand. And this is an eight handed game. This time? is an eight handed game. Yes. Awesome. And plus one limps, and I'm in the hijack. Uh, folds to me, and I make it $20 with Ace-Queen of Hearts. Okay. Uh, the cutoff calls behind me, and the big blind calls as well. And then the limper folds? The limper ca- the limper also calls. Okay, I was going to say, like, wow, what kind of what kind of knit are we talking here? Limps in, yeah. raise in th- two calls, and then can't even be bothered to come along. So, okay, yeah, we opened to get three callers. We're out of position to one of them, um, which is a little annoying, but uh, we have a great hand, so who's complaining? Yeah, and I will say, the uh, cutoff who called, I would consider a, a decent player, a solid player, um, the player, the one player who is behind me. Uh, the big blind is incredibly ABC, and the limper um, I've never played with before. Uh, I haven't, you know, I have no particular reads on this player. Okay. Great. The so limper let's... is going to be the main the main villain. Okay, perfect. Um, so the flop is deuce of clubs, four of diamonds, five of hearts. So five of hearts, four of diamonds, deuce of clubs, five four deuce yeah. rainbow, one heart, and we've obviously got a gutter as well to uh, to an eight for our to make the wheel. Yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, so it checks to me. What do you like here? Um, I probably like checking a lot in this spot. Um, we have like decent equity that when we're happy realizing it, like we have two overs. Um, but I don't love betting a, a relatively connected board with a lot of low cards into uh, into three players for for the most part. So I'm I'm happy to polarize a little bit here, check back some of our you know medium strength hands, which I would call ace queen, one of those. Yeah, um, I think that's fair. I mean, I certainly don't really... If I bet ace-queen here and get raised, you know, it's pretty bad for me. It sucks because I do have a lot of equity, which I would get blown off there. I don't really think I can call a raise. Right. Um, so 
Yeah, and even I don't if really... your opponents haven't connected with the board a lot, they can definitely have a lot of small to medium pocket pairs that might just, like, you know, raise with an overpair, because we know that live players love to do that kind of thing. Um, I mean, and they should, to be fair, at least sometimes. And so, you know, especially into three opponents, I'm just happy to play a little bit more face-up, you know, play play the hand a little more than the range, because I think that's somewhat standard, and especially at low-stakes live, multi-line. Yeah, what... What hands are you going to bet on this board? I'm, I'm actually curious what you think. Well, I mean, I don't know that I'm doing a whole lot of betting. Like, I, you know, I probably do want to bet, like, ace-three suited. Those okay. Are probably, definitely want to bet those. Any sets. I don't know if you're opening or over-limping, but probably from the hijack, going to be opening, I would assume. I'm going to um, mix. With, I mean, if we're trying deuce four, deuces, fours, and fives. Yeah. I'm going to mix. I think with the, like, I, I don't expect to be, like, particularly punished for overlimping in, in that spot. Yeah. Uh, but but, know, but obviously think... there's a difference between, you know, one limper to us in the hijack versus, like, three limpers and we're on the button. Yeah, you I know? would probably mostly raise. Yeah, mostly. right. So so then I'd probably want to start betting sets. But, you know, I mean, oh, even over pairs, I'm happy to, to, to check back at least some amount of the time. You know, we are still out of position to one player. You know the ranges, the the range equities get pretty close when we're when we're actually looking at like three of them against us. So yeah, I think I want to bet bet also at some 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 of my gutters that don't have as much showdown, like that don't have as much showdown value, like maybe like an ace seven suited or something like that. Um, yeah, and and maybe also some pocket pairs that need more protection, um, like well, po pocket tens, pocket nines would not be horrible. Maybe, yeah. Uh, okay. I, I mean, I'm just trying to, try to think, like, you know, if, yeah, that's fair. And also, like, what bluffs, too, you know. So it's probably going to be mostly gutters on this board. I mean, we have the one possible open-ender. Yeah, but you also don't need that many bluffs, it's worth noting. Because we're, we're, we're taking a smaller sizing, we're multi-way. And again, like, because we're against three ranges, like, the odds that one of them is connected with the board and could start calling is, is high. And I'm happy to, quote, lean more towards value in that case. Yeah. Okay. Well. Anyway, we do check, um, and the cutoff checks behind. So we awesome all the way around. Uh, yeah. Awesome. Awesome gets awesomer as the turn rolls off the ace of clubs. Okay. Not my fate. I mean, you know, if if I, if I was gonna pair up, I would I would have preferred a queen, but I'll take an ace. Yeah, I was happy with it, and the plus one limper now uh, goes ahead and bets twenty five dollars. Um. And uh, so it's obviously the big blind checks. Yep. Uh, what do you like here? I could go either way between a call or a raise. Um, a raise kind of is likely to, to, to ensure that the pot gets heads up, which is nice if people, you know, have sort of to, just to like kind of clean up some equity. I mean, although there aren't that many sort of draws and random hands that people can overcall with, right? Because there's not really, like, it's not like there's a bunch of gutters all of a sudden that people might talk themselves into calling with when there's, like, a small bet and a call. This is not really a board where that's the case. Um, so, I, I don't know. I guess I'd lean towards a raise because I also think then, depending on the board texture, like, if another club rolls off, you know, we have the option at least of checking back um, some rivers uh, not that I necessarily want to. I'd probably be more inclined to, like, make a small bet fold. Um, but I, I guess I'd probably lean towards raising here. Yeah, and I thought so, too. Uh, I mean, my thought, too, is, like, this player can have a lot of aces that are worse than mine here, that he would do, ex he would play exactly this way. Yeah. Uh, you know, so the players love to overlimp, you know, uh, suited aces, or even off loop call with off suited aces. I mean, 
that they shouldn't be doing that, but I've definitely seen it. I, I don't know anything about this player, so not assuming he's doing that, but I think he can have, like, you know, ace-10, ace-jack off, uh, yep. and then he can also have, you know, ace-9 ace, ace nine through, you know, deuce-suited, you know. Obviously, I'm losing to the ace-deuce, ace-4, ace-5, as that are now aces up, so I am losing to those, but he can also have, like, a6, A7, A8, A9 suited. Yeah, so. the the one nice thing in favor of calling is that if he's just kind of stabbing with like two random cards, we might like have those have his hand drawing dead, and he might fire another barrel on the river. Um, but but I think given that there are two players behind us that can also have like various strength hands, I might I might that might lean me more towards making a small raise. Yeah, I mean one thing at, at like a two five game is like I'm not often in the in the mood to just like let players bluff off on me because it's so rarely they do it right. like i need to know that this player is liable to do that basically i almost like my default assumption about a two five player is like they're not going to triple barrel right i think that's fair so, yeah so um yeah so i go ahead and raise yeah. I, I do i want to get extraction value from his worst ace holdings i make it 80 dollars um a little over 3x um I don't know if you have any thoughts on the sizing. I thought it was fairly standard. But. Yeah, it's in between half and a third. Uh, nope, it's in between 20... Nope, it's in between a third and a half. It's like 40% pot, I think. Something that, like that. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, so that seems reasonable. Yeah, I, I, like I didn't, I didn't smaller... do anything huge. I don't, you know, I'm not... I think this is a thin thin value raise. Yeah, I agree. Go crazy. Uh, it does fold back to him, and he thinks for a long time... And then make some sort of like frustrated grunt and calls. Okay. So. Interesting. Um, yeah. The river is the nine of clubs. Okay. So it so does bring in the back door flush. Mm -hmm. And he pretty quickly donks out $95. And this is when I talk about our exploit where when, play, when low stakes players donk the river, man, after calling a bat. It's spooky. Yeah, so, it, it is know, spooky. Because, you, you know, I, I mean, I think the most common hand that we see, you see players kind of check call, check call, donk with is like a completed draw. And obviously the backdoor flush does get there. But it also wouldn't surprise me if he had some kind of two pair holding like an aces up that he just decided not to three bet the turn, you know, kind of, I don't, for whatever reason, and then decided to try and get that value here on the river. And I think that's kind of the common trend that we see and why players choose to donk rivers is because they don't, want to play aggressively on the turn for whatever reason whether it's with a draw they don't want to raise with a draw or they don't want to take an aggressive line on the turn you know for, for whatever reason they choose so yeah this is uh, the annoying part here is that of course it's a very small bet right this is the thing we are getting a price and that's why i was like how far do we take this exploit of just like dunked rivers are really nutted so should we just fold or not that was like sort of my like that's why I took a long time on this thought on this one because I was like, man, like this is like I really don't need to be right that often. It's like, am I good here? One in three point five times? Like, am I? I don't know. Well, um, it's even you only need to be good here one in like four. Point, yeah, one, sorry, one in four point five times. Yeah, but yeah. The, like, and the thing is, as I've continued to play and kind of gotten gotten more experience, and I think you'll probably agree with this. It's like. It's it's just never a bluff. I call this. I call these bet these bets. I'll preface by saying I call these bets all the time with the same rationale of like, well, I've got to be good. I have trips. I have to be good here. One in one in four point five times. No, nope, of course not. The draw completed. I am not good. 
Yep. So I I think I think the disciplined play against kind of an unknown opponent at low stakes live is to just make like sci fold. Uh, but I don't think it can be too wrong to call given that price. You know, and I mean, is the player ever doing this with like a, a naked ace? Like, is he doing That's it? That's the thing. It's like probably not. <laughs> right. You know, like. I was like, you know, he could do this with two pair. Like, my, my thought in game was like, well, I can have some sets here. Yeah. This played. I can actually have a set of aces or a set of nines. Uh, probably I'm not raising a set of nines. Sorry. So, but, but I can have a set of aces, and I can have two pair myself. I could have ace nine, ace four, ace five, ace deuce. Um, so, you know, I have better hands to call your with. We I can have, have flushes, too, I by the way. I have flushes. <laughs> And straight, man, probably not straight. Uh, but uh, yeah, so we can have two pair ourselves, also. I think, right? We can have all those aces up type. Oh, hands. That's, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, they probably have enough better hands to call that I can fold this one. It just feels so bad because, like, the price is so good. But I don't know. So I, I so I think what I do in this situation is I, what I'd like to start doing now that I have now that I have decided, I've told myself. After the last time I called a small donk on the river and was wrong. It's like, I think what you just have to do is, like, assume that they have it. And if they show you a bluff or if you have reads that the player is bluffy, then you start calling these bets more with, like, your your strong one pair hands. Because, like, if they do have the bluffs in their range, then obviously this is a must call. But the well, average player who is taking this line... Sit, like just doesn't have bluffs in there. Just, right? just isn't bluff. Yeah, I really think Donking Rivers is so nutted. Yeah, and I did fold. I wow, did. I, I actually folded. And what did you did he and did you get a look at what he had? He did show me what he had. He was like really upset about it because he felt he had misplayed. But what he had was threes with the three of clubs. So he had a straight. And he's blocking the got the club blocker. Okay, so yeah, yeah. I mean that. I don't know why, uh, I don't know, I don't know. Yeah, yeah good fold. Very, very, very disciplined fold. And I think based on that, you know, when the villain shows that, then you say, great, I'm always folding to his river donks. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, seriously, it's like, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I mean, he was upset, though. He was like, oh, I shouldn't have done that because you're only going to call me with the flush, which isn't. Well, maybe that should be true. I don't know. I don't think. I don't think so. I mean, I think then we're getting into the realm of overfolding. Like, if you have ace five or ace nine, you're actually, I think, beating enough of his donking value. Like where he might donk with like ace four, ace deuce in the mm -hmm. same manner that that we kind of start being start having to call and sets right. definitely right beating all. Yeah, of the we have to call sets. Um. So I yeah I think it's a good fold because I I think I often kind of go down the line of like well if he's the type of player who's playing you know, rag-rag suited, then surely he has to be doing this with some of his bluffs with, like, other rag-rag suited that he's made it to the river with that's not this suit. But nope, they just let go of those on the flop. Uh, right. And get no, max I... value from, from donks like us. Yeah. Donking River from live live low-stakes regs, regs and regs is, uh, it's just, it's just very netted. So. Yep. Anyway, I, I don't know. I don't know that I could have, like, I don't know if I should have played this end differently. Maybe I'm supposed to just call turn. I, if, I, if I lost, or if I really lost the minimum, I don't know. But I, I was like, I was sort of. I really felt that river decision was like painful. So I wanted to, I wanted to run it by you. But. Yeah, I think that's. I think that's a very, a very disciplined, uh, dis disciplined fold, and something that I, um, 
I, I, I'm definitely trying to work on and realizing. And it's just one of those things that you're just not going to find, like, in, like, theory books and stuff. It's just, like, something you have to learn for yourself, like, after you've called the 12th one, where you're like, wait a minute, I've lost every time. Right, like, you're all listening to this, and you're like, oh, I don't know, I don't think the players in my room are like that. Maybe they're not, but maybe they are, man. Maybe they just always have it when they donk the river. I mean, I don't believe in the, the oh, they always have it when they bet river, because I, I've just seen that not be true enough times. Yeah. They definitely have it more than they should, but they don't always have it when they bet river. But they always have it when they donk the river. Absolutely. I've seen, like, once, maybe, that the guy didn't have it. And yeah. he donked, like, for, like, 10% pot, so. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. Um, so, what do you got for us? Alright, so this is kind of an interesting one. I think it's not not the most complex hand in the world. It's not the most complicated, but I think uh, highlights a couple of interesting... Uh, an interesting concept, at least. I, I felt that on the river. You might you might disagree, but that's why we're here. Um, in this hand, we're playing 1-3. Uh, I am in the straddle. I put the straddle on. Um, my default... I've shifted my default straddling position a little bit to... I, I will straddle by the first hand I play for sure. And then if nobody else is straddling and the action is pretty solid, then I will stop straddling. Because, like, obviously it is negative EV to straddle. And, like, if the action's good enough and nobody else seems to want to do it, then, like, there's really no reason for me to do it. If the table's super nitty or, uh, or like, at least one other person is doing it, then I'll happily put it back on and, uh, and get people involved. Absolutely, I agree. Like, obviously, if you're the only one doing it, you know, it's it's not very good. Like, I like it as a tool to induce action, but, like, if it's not working, or if it's not, if the action doesn't need to be induced, then, you know, it's fine. Yeah, so, so quick note on straddling. This isn't, so this is a 1-3 at Encore Boston Harbor. Um, it's, so we're playing 1-3-6, I've got the straddle. Uh, and this hand is going to start with a whole bunch of limps. Uh, the UTG player, who is the main villain in this hand, and uh, who I'm 450 effective with, uh, is going to limp. The hijack is going to limp. The small blind is going to limp. The big blind is going to limp. So that's four, count them, four limpers. Okay. Uh, and and by, by the way, I'm in position to two of them. Uh, and I look down at ace of hearts, five of diamonds, and I elect to check my option with my weak offsuit ace. Yeah, I think raising here is pretty spewy. Uh, so so that sounds like uh, five ways or so $30 for the flop. Yep, and obviously if this is suited, I'm bumping it up all day long. I, You know, I'll make a point about, I'll make a note about that, like me too, probably, but I will say that you don't really have to do that sort of thing in these games because some like a lot of times when you do that, it's still going to end up going like four ways and like H5 suited four ways sucks. So like, you know, like, like... You know, you don't need to do... Like, it's sometimes when it's really hard to steal the blinds, you just, like, don't. Yeah, in, in, in my experience, I think it... Like, if you size properly, you can... You, it usually does lose at least one or two players. Like, here, right, with four limps, I'd be making it for, like, 40. Yeah. And then it's, like, usually that does shed one or two players. Um, yeah, yeah. So, you know, and sometimes you just win, like, 25 bucks pre-flop, which is also great. Sure, yeah, absolutely. And... And so in this game, was the straddle on, like, regularly, or, or this was just, like... I think I, I was fairly new to this table, so th there were a handful of players who were straddling. Um, I had just table changed from a, a table that, like, just instantly dried up when, like, five action players left. Um, so, 
uh, yeah, it, it's uh, it, it was on periodically. There, there was pretty decent action. Um, the guy to my direct right was putting it on, so whenever he put it on, I followed up with it. Um, I think right. that was the case here. So okay, so all right, so we're thirty bucks in the middle, and we see a flop. Yep, we'll we see a flop, which is uh, pretty pretty good. Uh, it's Ace of Spades, so you know, starting off good. Uh, four of Spades, three of Diamonds. So mm. we make top pair, and we've also got a gutter. Nice. Uh, the small blind checks, the big blind checks, uh, and I decide to bet here for 15. I like it. I think you can extract a lot of value in these limp pots by betting your top pairs. Oh. It's, it's pretty basic stuff, but it, it's a good, it's good practice. So. Yeah, and I do mix in checks sometimes, like with like super weak top pairs. Like obviously, like when you straddle, you can wind up with like seven three on like seven six deuce or something. Right. Um, and then, you know, I think I think mixing in check calls there is totally fine. Um, also, check raises, if you have super strong top pairs, are probably fine to mix in as well. Yeah, um, maybe. But not, yeah, obviously, I mean, this no, is not... Honestly, I, I don't know. People in limp pots is like, check, like, they, in multi-way limp pots, like, people don't even stab that much a lot. So I just like to really just bet my, when I have Yep, completely so, yeah, fair. Right. And uh, the UTG player is the only caller. Mm -hmm. um, so we're, we're going heads up to a turn. Uh, and the turn comes the ten of spades. So the board is now ace of spades, four of spades, three of diamonds, ten of spades. Um, I don't know. Do you think we uh, we should keep betting this without a spade in our hand? Or is this a good spot to check it over to the other player? Right. So the flush has completed. So, you know, it... it it's like, what are we going to get value from here? That's sort of a question about bet. Like, why would we bet? Right. Like, like we're not getting value from any worse top pairs. Like, you know, if we have top pair good kicker, we can, this is again on a great spot that we can, we can continue getting some thin value. Um, but top pair, like nothing kicker, like, you know, what, what are we getting called by this worse? Like, like not even like nines, nines are probably full, you know, like maybe nines with a spade, eights with a spade, sevens with a spade, but like, Starts to get hairy. Yeah. I probably wouldn't. I probably wouldn't bet. Okay, great. So we check. We're all we're all on board so far. Like I said, this is a nice easy one. Uh, all right, all right. Uh, and the villain checks it back. So at this oh. point, I'm like, you know, money signs in my eyes, right? Yeah, you got the best hand. Well, it is possible he could also have an ace. He could have a better ace. Could have us out kicked um, and checked back because he's all. You know, he might also have a sex with a spade. He or without a spade and kind of think, well, what am I? What am I getting called by? Right, yeah, that's definitely possible. Uh, so the river is going to come a super interesting card. It is an offsuit five. Let's call it the five of hearts. So we are holding ace five offsuit. The board is now ace four three, ten five with the front door flush. Uh, we now have two pair. There is also there is a flush and a one liner out there to a deuce, which certainly is possible given that it's a limped pot for our opponent to have some number of deuces. I did not have good reads on this player. The only hand I had played with him. Before he, uh, I ran my queens into his aces, so you know, was out for revenge. Yeah, I mean, if this was a guy who you knew had had you know had it in him, you might consider checking here to, to pick off a bluff. Right. Um, but again, my default assumption with players at the stakes is like they don't. Yep, and I, so, I thought this player was fairly solid at first, but then I realized he was not super solid. Um, and was more of a standard live player. So, 
You know, I, I did think about checking because it's, like, such a wet board, like, they might throw something out. But there are also, like, a bunch of hands that I'm beating that are going to probably call a bet. Mm -hmm. and would not fire one out if checked to. Like, I don't think a naked ace, for example, is going to be betting here, and he should have plenty of those. No, I mean, I guess really what I want what I was going to get at here was, like, I think this is a mandatory bet at these stakes, and I think you're going to... You could get looked up pretty light, honestly. Um, so, as a question of sizing, like, I certainly wouldn't bet very large here, you know, we're trying to get called by a worse hand. And you're out of position, so, like, you're really allowed to use whatever the heck sizing you want. Even, even, I mean, you're doing it, you're making something of an exploitative bet here. So, you know, we can kind of throw balance out the window anyway, but um, in terms of bet sizing. But I, I don't know. I, I like anywhere between a third and a half. You'll probably get called. So that's interesting. So so here's the kind of where, where the hand, I thought I made an interesting decision where I decided to depolarize with my two pair, because I think there are enough worse hands, given that it's like a limped pot and I was the straddle especially, that if I bet, like, pot, I could just, like, get called by, like, an ace, like, some some reasonable amount of the time to the point where, you know, making double the money of, like, a, a half pot size bet, you know, even if we only get called half as much, is still going to pay, you know, pay out the same amount in the long run or generate the same EV. So... My, I was kind of thinking along the lines of making making that sort of exploitative play where I'm thinking, well, you know, this player might just, like, call me, like, especially after I check the turn, he checks the turn. To me, that kind of removes flushes from both our ranges. It's relatively unlikely that he has a deuce. So, you know, am I just allowed to, like, blast here and say, like, you know, call me with your, like, bluff catcher because you talk yourself in, you, you just think I'm over bluffing. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, huh. I mean, obviously this is, you know, if he was solid, you know, he could, he would probably fold a lot here. That, that like, a lot of the hands you're trying to get called by, he would probably fold. Unless, I mean, he might call something like, you know, if he had like, I mean, I guess solid players aren't really over limping under the gun though. So it's sort of hard to construct a range there, but I don't know. I mean, you are fairly high up in your range, like in terms of hands you show up here with. Like this is one of the stronger ones, uh, so I don't hate. Like if you're going to use large bet sizing, like I don't know. I think it's fine. I I don't know. I don't I don't tend to do this move much. Like where, you know, you bet really big to make it look like a bluff. I, but I do think I, I, I should be taking fairly large sizings with bluffs also. I, mean, I don't know. Would you be taking like a small sizing with bluffs, or do you think we should? This is where. Do you think this is a board where, in a balanced perspective, we could kind of check our whole range or most of our range? Um. Yeah, it's interesting. I. Yeah, if you're. I mean, if you're going to bluff here, I guess you know you're trying to fold out an ace basically so you probably do want to use a fairly large sizing so um but then it's like i mean i think from a balanced perspective though will you take will you bet this if you're if you're if you're feeling like the sizing on this board should be if you're only going to use one river sizing and it's like pot does your hand work for that uh in a balanced sense is just your hand should your hand be bet for pot and i i don't know the answer but 
Um, it's interesting because, like, I do think you know there can be some two pairs in this range also that can probably that will probably call me here. Although I don't know. I mean, obviously, in a balanced world, his two pairs probably should not be checking back the turn. You know, just calling flop, checking back turn. So. Yeah. You know, is his range super capped at one pair? And if that's the case, should I always kind of be betting a smaller size? Now, it's interesting to think about what I mean, his usually range is. Usually against mid-heavy ranges, which is kind of what his is. He has a lot of medium-strength hands. You want to use large sizing. So, you know, maybe the more I think about this, like, it's fine. Yeah, okay. I, I think you can bet. I think you can bet large here. I don't know about pot, but I might. Maybe you can take, like, 75%, 80%. You know, maybe you just don't have that many flushes here as played. I don't know. And so, like, maybe this is just one of the best hands you ever have here. And, you know, yay. Yeah, and, I, and again, I was also thinking an exploitative perspective. Like, you know, it's such, like, a wet board. Like, people just are often, like, non-believers on these kinds of boards, especially when the action, like, checks through one street that might be more inclined to defend on the river. So I bet 60. I, I just decided, you know what, I'm going to pot it. I think I'm going to get paid off by, like, enough worse hands. And he... Absolutely snap calls with that can't be good. Ace three of clubs. Wow, got him good. Or worse, two pair. Got him. That's and awesome. He, he was uh, not not thrilled. Yeah. Can't, wow, that's crazy. They that didn't even bet it on the turn. Yeah, scary. He was scared of the flush, and then he kind of that way. You know, and and that's kind of the the reason I bet is because I'm kind of thinking. You know, when live, it's really is just, you know, a, a very exploitative, my, my line of thinking was certainly more from an exploitative perspective, like, you know, he's checking back because he's scared of the flush, but like, I checked the turn, so, it's like you realize one street too late, like, oh, he checked the turn, how many, how many flushes could he have? I have to call this river. Mm -hmm. But it's like, you know, if that's the case, then he should obviously be betting the turn. Right, and, and, uh, the other thing too is he didn't even raise flop with it. I mean, right. that's crazy. Yeah, okay. So it was just kind of a thought, you know, I don't have, we don't have many deuces, don't have many flushes, so let's just, like, get get called. Yeah, it's interesting. I I, I, I like it, ultimately. I, I rescind what I said earlier. I, I think it is a, a good line. Um, you know, not not trying to be results-oriented here, but you, you convinced me that, like, you know, it's, it's, it makes a lot of sense to bet large here, given that his range is sort of mostly ace x so you want to put those hands in a tough spot when you have it or you don't right so. which is the point of playing balance so it's kind of taking that balance perspective of you know we want to be indifferent to but also kind of in a more you know what maybe we can do that we can lean a little bit value heavy where we think we're going to get called more based on the run out and the player type and the live dynamics yeah, I guess, like, I wouldn't say that this play is exploitative. I would say it is more, I don't know, GTO-ish. Like, I well, don't know... Well, damn. I uh, was yeah, really but, hoping to be exploitative here. What, what, like, what tendency... Like, exploitative, you have to be exploiting a tendency, I guess. Like, I see what you're saying, like, maybe he'll call you lighter. But you actually, like, as we talked it through, it seems like you have one of the stronger parts of your range anyway. Yeah, I guess I'm thinking, too, like, it's interesting because, like, I don't know. It's, it's tough to also, like, find bluffs. That I'm like, you know, leading into four people in a limped pot, check the turn, and then barrel river as a bluff. You know, yeah. maybe I turn, wind up turning like a low pair with a spade into a bluff, but I really shouldn't be leading out with those hands, you well, know, five like ways. Hmm? You might, you might, the sixes, maybe, sevens, eights, that sort of thing. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Um, I, I might, honestly, in these limped pots, like sometimes you can just get value. 
know? Yeah, I mean, that's true. That's true. Um, but all right. I actually have a limbed pot hand as well. And right. this is, I, I was like a bit reluctant to bring this hand at first because it's rel it's a very shallow hand and like normally shallow hands aren't that interesting. Uh, but limped pots can be, and this is a limped pot. So cool. and I really thought this was an interesting spot. Again, one that's just has to do with like weird live player tendencies and like how you how to address them. So that's the theme of this episode, I guess, is just like, you know, live player tendencies. So. Yeah, and limped pots and checking streets and capped ranges. You know, here at Bankroll Burners, we strive to give you multiple themes per episode as we as we, you know, give our money to the live poker ecosystem. As we donate, as we donate our money, we also donate our time to you. Uh, so, okay, so this is uh, I, I also from a two-five session at Best Bet Orange Park, uh, which is uh, it's five hundred dollar cap game. Uh, we didn't mention that earlier. Uh, so, but we are only two hundred twenty-five dollars effective with the main villain in this hand. Okay, because this was this is one of those guys who just likes to ship sit, shit. Pardon me, sit with a shallow stack. Uh, you know, pretty much terrible for the game. Uh, really, really sucks. Don't like it. Stop doing it. Well, and Stop I, around but, shallow stacks. And by the way, I would I would caveat that a little bit by saying if you're gonna bring a shallow stack in, please put it in. Yes. Do not be a knit short stacker. Those are the worst. But if you wanna yeah. if you wanna buy in for the minimum and like you know shove by the flop every hand that you play, then like please be my guest. But don't do it if you're just going to play aces and kings. Yeah, actually, that's true. Short stack players who are like very actiony are great for the game because they're actiony. But if you're sitting there with forty big blinds, not doing anything for fifteen orbits, I hate you. And it's actually even more interesting because like the dynamics are so. I think the dynamics are really interesting when you have like one super actiony short stack, and then like a bunch of big stacks were just trying to figure out how they can take the short stacks money over and over while also remembering that there are other players at the table who can have real hands. Yeah, absolutely. No, it, it can be fun. So, okay. But anyway, this guy was all right. I mean, all right. Well, we, we don't need to speak, speak ill of him. Yes, he was fine. He wasn't super nitty or something, but he's in there with $225 in front of him. And not only is this a two, five hand with a short stack, this, in this particular hand, the straddle was on. So it's wow. actually two, five, 10. So we are 22 and a half big blinds effective okay uh, and the straddle was on a decent amount in this game i would say maybe half the time so people were sort of like it wasn't just like a once in a blue moon straddle where no one was adapting so all right so and we happen to be seven-handed right now uh there is an under the gun limp there's a hijack limp there's a button limp i complete from the small blind uh with ten of hearts nine of clubs which is loose for sure. Um, I'm probably doing the same. Yeah. and I mean, I wasn't particularly shallow, and there were a bunch... Not all the limpers were shallow, just this particular player who ends up being the main villain was. I think if, like, literally all of the limpers had $200 in front of them, this is a pretty clear-cut fold. Um, but, you know, there's there was some depth with various players in the team. And 10-9 is also, you know, better when you're shallow with some players. It's obviously a better candidate than, like, 5-4 or 6-7, because, like, you can make top pair a reasonable amount of the time. So, sure. and you know, in a limped pot, your your top pairs are also likely better than any pocket pairs. Yep. Right. Absolutely. Versus like six seven, if you flop like seven deuce deuce, you could just be like dead in the water to pocket eights, for example. Yeah. So, all good points. So I don't know. Probably like 
I like to get in there with limp when players are being limpy. It yeah. can be fun. It can be very profitable spots. Uh, so uh, the big blind actually folds, and the straddle checks. So we are five ways to this flop. All right, so we're already getting getting shallow. Fifty in the pot, two fifteen effective with the main villain, and we're moving on to a flop that hopefully is quite nice for us. Well, it's an interesting one. The flop is ten of clubs, seven of clubs, deuce of clubs. So monotone flop. We have top pair, and we do have a club. We got sixty percent of a straight flush. We have sixty percent of a straight flush. That's right. So I check. I don't know. What do you think? I think checking here makes sense. Okay, I agree because I think we can pretty comfortably check call. Yeah, and we we like block some value. We unblock some bluffs. It's nice. Yeah, you know, I I it's not my. I've obviously, if this if this wasn't a monotone board, if it was like ten seven deuce flush draw, I'd probably bet. Yeah, I think that's fine, and it's also worth noting. You know, these are the types of boards that you do run into when you overlimp ten nine offsuit, Absolutely. and where you have a medium strength meh. Yeah. So. Absolutely no. I'm not like I'm fine at this point. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know. You, you know, you yeah. just have to be ready to make uh, you know tough decisions on this board. So we're we're well set up for that. So we check. And uh, any any action here? So the under the gun, the initial limper bets twenty dollars, and it folds all the way back to me, where I think I have a pretty clear cut call. Yeah. And we get a fold from the straddle, so we are heads up. So any any thought to sort of like raising and trying to just get it in with the limper to avoid the straddle calling behind? Um, yeah, I guess if we raise here, so what are we going to raise to, like, you know, 60 or 80, somewhere in that range, right? Mm -hmm. and, and then he's going to have, if he calls, if he, let's say we make it 80, right? And, and if he calls, um... I think we didn't even make it 60. Yeah, so we, make we probably it 60, would want him. If we make it 60, there's, like, 170 in the pot, and he'd have, like, 150 behind. Yeah, and then what, we're just going to jam brick Might turns? Be oh, the thing is, there aren't a lot of brick turns. That's the thing about this board. There yeah. are not a lot of brick So maybe, maybe we can just call and accept the fact that the straddle might call with sort of a one-club type hand, if they so desire. Yeah. Yeah, I think we just should call here. I, I, don't, I don't like um, betting, like raising thinly on boards that are very dynamic i mean we have to remember though like we should be willing to stack off here probably because they were so shallow yeah um, i mean it, it is a, probably a good point though that we don't necessarily need to blow up the pot with like a medium strength hand and like you know get get it you know like you said there's so many dynamic turns i mean i don't know we could also like jam but that's probably like you know or make it 215 but that might just be too uh too big yeah yeah, I don't, I don't know about jamming here. I mean, yeah, it seems hard to get called by worse if we jam. Yeah, you know, um, I could see pocket eights with the eight of clubs just snapping us off. Yeah, I guess that's the one hand. Um, see, I found a hand. All right. Yeah, I don't, I don't like jamming here. I don't super like uh, raising here. I think it's going to be lead to some weird turn decisions. I think we will feel uncomfortable on a lot of turns if we raise, whereas I don't really... I feel like it's going to be... I was thinking at the time it was going to be fairly straightforward. See, I, I would say it's, you know, it, it's kind of one of these awful spots where, like, we're out of position with, like, a marginal hand on a crappy board that's only going to get worse. Like, we probably will be put... We probably will have to face tough decisions on later streets either way. Which is kind of why I'm thinking, like, well, maybe we just try and get it in with the short stack now, realize our equity, and, you know, 
That's fair. We might, but I don't. To your point, I don't know that we're necessarily ahead of his range and want to do that. So we call and straddle first. Yeah, yeah. I think there is some some merit to raising to avoid tough decisions later. Uh, but I also think that even if we raise, we are going to be in some tough decisions. Actually, so yeah, yeah. I mean, it's interesting. You know, I, I mean, we probably. I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm leaning towards raising as I think about it because I do think there are enough worse hands that can pay us off. Like any hand with the ace of clubs, they'll probably like continue with yeah if we just like that. yeah that's fair we could we could just look to just jam turns uh but it's I also mean, like our we might value on ourselves more than we more than we really should be when we when we raise jam so you know probably probably could go either way but i i think you're i think you're right that the turn that the call is not necessary is is can't really be that bad when the board's so dynamic yeah so i call straddle folds for heads up it's now 90 dollars in the middle um and the turn is the jack of diamonds so we pick up a gutter Oops, ball the jack of diamonds yep we pick up a gutter um and the under the gun bets i check first of all uh and i i, I don't really think we're ever leading here um the under the gun bets 25 dollars Okay. So at this point, I don't think his hand is very strong. Right. This is this is sort of like live players don't tend they tend to use similar bet sizes on multiple streets in a row. Uh, when their hand is not very strong, they don't feel very comfortable with it. Um, so I start to think to myself, he's not very strong, and I probably don't have the best hand. Those were kind of the two things I thought in that moment. And what that's interesting because I think we could have the best hand. Like, you know, not very strong. Could Like, he could be doing this with, like, a 7 or, like, a weaker 10 than us even, right? He could have 10-8, 10-6, like, you know, of the suited variety. Like, I don't know if you have Reese on this villain, I guess, but... I don't. I, I, I don't. And I do... Th so I do kind of think our hand is too strong to bluff. Like, when we have a pair, like, we could be... A, like, I think we just could can be ahead a, a decent amount. Okay, like... I guess I don't see that many players bet like bad 10x when an overcard comes off though. Like I feel like they would usually check back, but maybe not. Maybe. I mean, it def definitely like sometimes, but like I don't know. Like, are you kind of thinking that, that this player's range is going to mostly be like a good 10 or like a, an air ball with like a club? A possibly two pair also is a, something I think could be in his range. Well, I don't like, think that's not very strong though. But he, he might perceive it as not very strong because of the flush being out there. Hmm. That's what I mean. Like, yeah, I yeah. think he's uncomfortable with his hand. Right, Th that's interesting. And the one, you know, and I mean, if you're thinking about turning your hand to a bluff and you kind of think he might have a hand like two pair, then it's also interesting to think that, like, just a lot... It's it's easy to sort of get too much from a tell almost where you're like, ah, oh, this guy's kind of weak and I'm going to, like, raise as a bluff. And then he's like, ah, damn it, you totally have me, I call. You know, where players kind of have that sort of two-pair hand where they're like, they are, you're right, like, they do perceive themselves as weak, but not to the point where they're actually going to think about folding. Yeah. So, and I just think our hand has enough equity also to this, like, tiny bet that we can, like, call and then, you know, re realize some of it for free -ish. For For cheap. Yeah. yeah. No, I agree. And, and I didn't, I mean, I just called here. I, I didn't raise. I just, in the moment, I'm thinking, like, rivers could get dicey here. That's sure. kind of what I'm thinking. I'm like, like I'm not confident that if the river goes check check we win. Right. You know, for example. Um 
but I do just call. I agree with you. Like our hand is too strong to turn into a bluff. It, it's like what what better hands are we going to get to fold at this point? Like maybe Ace Ten without a club or something like that. But yeah, I don't I even know that that hand should. You know, I guess that hand probably should fold. But yeah, I mean, and you know, this player might fold it. Like who knows? But um, I mean, that might be a folded equilibrium, even you know, eight like a just a strong ten with no club to uh, like a check raise on the turn but i you know to, to that might be it you know that's like a that's like a pretty small subsegment of his betting range maybe 10 7 although we do block that so yeah um okay so the okay, river 140 in the pot and uh 170 behind so pretty close somewhat close to a pot size bet left mm-hmm. and the river is the king of diamonds which I think is a very interesting card because it does introduce some possible straights and some possible two pairs. Uh, I think it's a pretty dynamic card. Um, I mean, obviously, it doesn't affect anything with the flush already being possible, but I do think it's a pretty interesting card. I don't think it's like I, I don't think it's sufficiently disconnected enough. I guess like I think it's, it's yeah. I don't, know. I, I don't know. I think I think it's kind of disconnected. Like I, I don't really. It's it's tough given that like sort of the actor start on the flop. Any straight would have to be pretty weirdly backdoored. Like I don't think queen nine or eight. Like neither of you should really have queen nine or ace queen. Like sure. at all. Well, yeah, right. I, I would yeah, think. I mean, you could have, like, Queen 9 with a club or something, I think is possible. But. He could. You definitely shouldn't. That's fair. Probably not. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, um, and then, obviously, there's, like, King 10, Jack, and King Jack are possibilities. Yep, King um, Jack with a club or, or just King 10, definitely possibilities. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, um, but you might be right. It, it might just be mostly brickish. Um, but I do check here anyway. And he now bets $30. Oh, boy. So, at this point, I am pretty sure that he does not think his hand is very strong and that I do not have the best hand. At this point, I'm, like, feeling very confident in that situation. Okay. I just don't think he's ever betting, like, a worse 10 at this point. Okay. Um, so, we could just fold, but... I mean, yeah, if you um, think that he's not confident in his hand, and, you know, the one area where... Even if the card, you know, if, if we kind of analyze it and think, well, you know, I would say that king is not a super relevant card most of the time to, like, most of your hands. But, like, definitely someone who, like, flopped two pair and now sees, like, so many hands that beat them could perceive it as a scare card. Especially if they're sort of using this dynamic bet sizing that is changing with the strength of their hand. Yeah. So, you know, with that in mind, it, I think it's certainly an exploitative raise. Where, like, I don't think a player should be folding, like, 10-7 because they, you know, are scared of, like, Jack-10 or King-10. Um, yeah, and, and I don't know that, like, I mean, I'm there, it's certainly my hand is not a great bluff candidate if I'm targeting those sorts of hands because I block them. I block all the t I block 10s, you know, right. with my 10. Uh, I do block some flushes, but, like, I don't, I guess I don't really expect him to play a lot of flushes this way, so I... I don't know that my hand is the right candidate for a bluff, to tell you the truth. I mean, I'm also blocking the straight, some straights, but he's very unlikely to have them anyway. So, like, I don't know that my hand from a blocking perspective is a particularly good bluffing candidate. I more so thought, like, you know, I think this guy is pretty weak. Yeah, I just don't know what he's doing this with that, like, is weak. That we lose to, you know? Like, it's kind of just ace-10 and, like, queen-10 now at this point. Because otherwise, I mean... The rest of his, like, tens have now made two pair. Yeah. Um, 
so it's just kind of a weird spot where like I'd see your point from a, like a live read perspective and a sizing perspective, but it's it's hard to put it's hard to like range him here if we kind of think oh I think this player is weak based on his bet sizing, but also he likes his hand enough to bet and wants to get value. What hand is doing that? Right, and I don't know. I mean, what would you do here? Would you just fold? I don't know. I might, I might call, honestly. Like, I might just kind of think, like, this is super weird. I'm getting a good price. And, like, this is a spot, unlike a check call, check call lead, where the player could have some, like, triple barrel bluffs. And just, like, especially if I don't have reads on this opponent, like, some players just like to, to bet really small when they're bluffing. Yeah, definitely. That's a real thing. So, so, so. I, might, I, might just, I might just get curious and call. Like, we really need to be good, like, one in seven times. Like, could we be good that often? With, with like, because our hand does block some value, to your point, like... We block pocket tens. We, we, but block. we block tens, we block some, we block a bunch of flop two pairs, we do block the flush, we block eight, nine. So, maybe I yeah, just... Yeah, maybe you're right, maybe I should just call here. You know, I'm probably getting, getting to, trying, trying to be exploitative, which is really not my strong suit anyway, but I did end up ripping it in. Okay, I mean, I, I think that's interesting, because, like, I mean... The, the one question is, like, you know, if we're doing it with 10-9 with, like, a... I mean, having a club is nice, because it blocks, like, flushes that he might be doing it. You know, what... what Do we have better bluffs here? Like, I, I might know. be doing it with any hand here that... Like, I might be... I'm probably over-bluffing here. Like, this isn't... Again, I right, real sure. This is... I'm not trying to be balanced here. Like, I like again, I don't think... Like, if I were trying to be balanced, I wouldn't use my hand. I think my hand is a bad bluffing candidate. I'm just trying to go off of live reads here, which is... Mostly something that I never do because I'm really terrible at it. Yeah, and it's just uh, so. annoying because, like, some players do just bet small, like, all the time. Sure, and I don't didn't know if that, this player was that way. Um, but, yeah, I did end up ripping it. And he goes, he goes, oh, man, you check call, you check call, and then you shove. You were tricking me. You know, he's like trying to sort of think like, what is this? And I'm thinking to myself, I was like, yeah, that is a pretty weird line for me, isn't it? It doesn't make a ton of sense, uh, which is true. I don't think my line makes a ton of sense. Like, I'm just trying to say, pick. I'm trying to pick up on something here, which is I don't think he likes his hand that much. Right, like we, he might fold like a set here. It sounds to me like he's got like maybe the hand that makes sense for him to have is like pocket deuces. Sure, yeah. Yeah, anyway, he does eventually land on a call. Okay. And he shows me... Uh, the hand which he limped with under the gun is 6-3 of clubs. Got it. So, so a weak flush. So it is a hand where he basically decided, like, he doesn't, you're probably, like, again, this is kind of what I was talking about on the flop, where it's like, or, you, or the turn, where your read is probably right that he doesn't like his hand, but he doesn't like his hand because he just has the live player thought of, like, ah, it's, my flush is so weak. Yeah. No, it's pretty weird. I honestly like, but anyway, I mean, you know, it is what it is. I definitely he was obviously. If I had known he had that hand, I would not have attempted to bluff. And now um, you kind of can realize, like, and, and now you can definitely use this against him, and also like bluff quite a lot. I would be bluffing this player like a lot, as especially as like the pre-flop aggressor. Like this is a great like clap. This is a great live player to exploit, right? Where you kind of say, "Wow, if this player shows aggression, I am like out immediately," and if this player does not show aggression, I am laying, you know, putting my foot on the gas. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So that's, you know, good good, good to know for, for the future. And it's quite interesting because I think I was just reading a nice Twitter thread, I think it was from Phil Galfond, that like, where I think he said like, oh, the best thing, the best information you can get 
is seeing hands at showdown. Yeah. That's and it's kind of been a thing he's focusing on recently where you or I can go talk about, oh, this player seems aggressive, but uh, how do we actually know that this player is aggressive if he's like, just because he's played whatever, you know, raised 20 hands in an hour, he could he could just be on a, a massive heater. Right, absolutely. So, you no, really I... need to see, you know, look at flops, look at turns, look at showdowns, and, and now seeing this hand at showdown, I'm like, you know, dot, it's great. You know, it's if he feels uncomfortable with his flopped flush at 22 big blinds, like, this is a, this is a scared player. Right, so. exactly. This is a scared player that we can make a lot from. Limping rate, you know, obviously a nice wide limping range, so lot definitely can, can print long-term in, yeah. in a game like this. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I, I do think it was a punt for me, though. I mean, it's not that big of a punt because it's 22 big blinds. But, um, you know, it's it's definitely uh, definitely interesting. Like, probably didn't need to do that. Probably should just either call or fold. Probably just call. Like, whatever. Like you said, we don't need to be good very often. So, you know, it is what it is. But, uh, yeah, de definitely leveling myself a bit, I guess. So. But what interesting, else? definitely an interesting hand, and good to talk about the exploitative uh, lines in limp pots. Yeah. So okay. All right. What's your doozy, Josh? All right. This is a real. This everybody, this everybody has been waiting with bated breath. This river spot really put me in the blender. I will. I'll preface by saying that. So you know, we we have some interesting decisions before that, and you know, my preflop play may also have been a little suspect. But you know, hmm. when isn't it? Um, so we're playing 1-3 here. There's no straddle in this hand. Uh, I'm the effective stack at 550, so playing relatively deep here. Um, the villain in this hand is under the gun and is... Uh, I have sort of tagged him as aggressive because he's been raising quite a lot, but I haven't seen a whole lot of his hands at showdown. So to my own point, I probably... I may have tagged him too, uh, too early. So let's just, okay. you know, also keep that in mind. You know, he's been raising quite a bit. He's been like taking his time with decisions so you know maybe you can make the argument he's somewhat solid but you know i that's you not a, not necessarily true right i um, mean i take my time with decisions and i'm not somewhat solid so yeah <laughs> so he's gonna open this pot up to 15 uh the hijack calls and i am in the cutoff with eight of clubs eight of diamonds and okay. i decide to three bet this hand um, I like which I do think I, I, I don't think you have to 3-bet this hand and it might honestly not be correct against a UTG open specifically um, if the players are like adjusting their opening ranges by position correctly yeah I I think it's probably fine either way I don't I honestly like I think calling folding and 3-betting are all reasonable options here if you think the under the gun player is super tight and so how sorry what's the effect of oh it's again? 550 i'm just never folding here 550 yeah okay so you know seems fine but seems i but i decided to raise this time and it is just as you know something i've been trying to do more is just be be more aggressive pre-flop play more as the aggressor than as a than as just a caller but you know with a hand like eights i think it's totally fine to call most of the time especially on the cutoff you know the closer to the button you are the more you can just call you know, set mining in position is a hell of a lot better than set mining out of position. Yeah, yeah, I, I do honestly like, I, I like a 3-bet here for the most part. And I would but... say 9s and 10s, I'm always 3-betting. 7s um, and 6s, I'm probably calling a lot. 5s, 4s, 3s, deuces, I'm probably calling and even, I'm probably still never folding to just one Right, probably should, but you probably aren't. 
And this deep, it's probably probably okay. Yeah, and you know, I who who folds nowadays? Not me. Right. So. Okay. So I, I mean, I'm the same way. Probably. So anyway, so. we 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 three bet. We raised to sixty. Um, sounds like it's it's Mike approved. So therefore, it's definitely a good play. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, UTG is the only caller. Nice. And it is nice to play this hand heads up. I mean, I think one of the things when you do three bet these smaller pocket pairs is. Um, you have a lot of unintuitive C bets, I think, like where uh, it's it is going to be, you know, you're not going to be able to pick up equity, right? Uh, with your C bet, so you need to like be careful about what you want. You need to be thinking about what you are actually going to do on earlier on later streets if your C bet gets called. So, well, but, we I I think uh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, I'm just saying, I, I think that was it. I was just going to say, like, yeah, I think these, when you play these hands as three bets, the post-flop can be a bit tricky sometimes, mm -hmm. uh, but sometimes you flop a set, so. Well, we don't flop a set, but I think we do have a pretty intuitive C-bet as the flop comes down ten of diamonds, six of diamonds, six of hearts. Okay, and we do not have a diamond. We do have a diamond. We've got we eight do, of diamonds, eight of clubs. So we've okay. got a decent pair. It's a paired board. I think we're just going to be C-betting here a, a whole lot of the time. Yeah, and, and, the, and the villain does check. This is probably a bet, bet all your hands. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, you say unintuitive C-bets, I'm like, man, I'm always betting here. There's plenty of hands to get value from. Obviously, lots of diamond draws. Maybe some gut shots. Worst pairs might be calling me a good amount. Yep. So, uh, yeah, checks to me, and I bet quite small. I bet 45 into 140. Seems fine. I think I do want to be, especially if I'm C-betting like all my hands, I definitely want to be betting small and also on a paired board. It's nice to bet small. So I bet 45 and villain thinks for a little bit and then calls. Nice. Yeah. Fairly standard so far. Uh, great. So now the turn is going to roll off the 10 of clubs. Mm. So that's going to double pair the board. Uh, 10 of diamonds, 6 of diamonds, 6 of hearts, 10 of clubs. We've got 8 of diamonds, 8 of clubs. Uh, and the villain checks to us. Well, at this point... <clears throat> well, are we going to... Like, what can we get value from by betting here? We can get value from, like, probably... I mean, sevens or fives below. Well, no, I mean, fives five. below is now counterfeit, so yeah, they're yeah, definitely yeah, not going to be calling. Fine. Like, exactly sevens or ace high. Um, oh, right. And also, like... I think if we get check raised on this board, we actually like, have to fold. So probably so, don't want to bet. What do you think about checking like all or most of our range on this card? Is that like a like? Are we, would you be checking like high pocket pairs here? Hmm. Like aces, kings. I, I mean, I was kind of thinking. I, I don't know that I was thinking that in the moment, but um, I've definitely thought about it. Like I said, I've, I've given this hand quite a lot of thought afterwards. And I've kind of thought, you know, do I want to be checking aces? Do I want to be checking a ten here ever? I don't think I. I don't think I want to be checking a ten or a six here. Although I don't really have many sixes, and I don't have that many tens. Yeah, I mean, you have like a six, ace ten, obviously. I mean, you probably you certainly have like king ten, queen ten, and jack ten. I think you have. Yeah. I think you actually have a decent amount of tens. Um, you probably, as you said, have very few sixes, like a six suited, which and you some would seven six and five six, like once in yeah. a while. Yeah, but um, yeah. Well, so if you, let's say you were, if you bet aces here and get check raised, are you calling? I think we definitely have to call the turn, hoping that 
villain has I mean hoping that it goes like check hoping the villain has like pocket jacks pocket queens and it checks oh, and his value owning them and the river yeah. goes check check mm -hmm. so but so but then if you had like jacks you probably would fold right by that logic but it's also you know do we want to be check calling a check do we want to be calling a check raise with aces like not really right it's not exciting so, right right so like if we're only ever betting an ace and a ace or sorry a 10 or a six and like that's such a thin part of our range and then like what are even good bluffs on this board like you want to block you want to have like a jack or a queen yeah or a nine. queen jack i think is a great bluff like probably not three betting jack nine a whole lot but like eight nine i think is a good bluff because we also have equity against like any of his one pair hands i actually think eight nine is probably a fold in your spot given that isn't under the gun open. I don't super like three betting eight, nine because yes, sure. this is for early position opens because of the reverse and blind odds. But okay, you probably have some eight, nine. Um, yep, since so, you're like folding it, I probably have some. So, yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, but, and also another another point about hands like aces and kings is that I think those hands are, too, are not getting value on the turn and the river. And this might be a board where it's better to get the value on the river because again, we can kind of, you know, I think when we check back the turn, it might be perceived as capping our range. We might get called lighter on the river than we would on the turn. Hmm. And so... And there's know, also not that many scare cards if we have a hand like aces or kings. Yeah, that's all fair. No, I think checking, checking range here is reasonable. Although, you have to consider, though, um, if you check here, are you then able to bluff river if checked to? Right. And I mean, I still think, I think we are with certain, with the hands that we're thinking about, like Queen Jack. Like, I think Queen Jack is an excellent bluff candidate on the river because it blocks, like, Queen, it blocks 10x, it blocks Jacks, it blocks Queens. And I, and it's going to fold out enough better hands like King Highs and Ace Highs a, a pretty decent chunk of the time. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. Uh, I, I think that if we're going to take a checking strategy on this, on this uh, turn, um, I think that actually polarizes our hand. I don't actually think it, it caps our range very much because right. I think that most m like mid-strength hands, well, I don't, I, I don't think you, it polarizes. You just, you, but you're saying we're we're checking everything, and it doesn't polarize or cap our range. Right. Uh, but, it just it keeps our range. It keeps both our ranges quite wide. Yeah, it's definitely interesting. I. I I, I be, could be on board with checking your whole range here. The, I, I think, that I, I think my, okay to bet. my biggest issue with checking range is that it kind of precludes getting the money in with like a 10. But with that said, I don't know that we're going to get all the money in anyway with a 10 because this is not the type of board where we're going to get paid off across three streets for 200 big blinds, you know, with... Yeah, I mean, he has to have like a six and even then you might not get paid. So. Yeah, so so I'm with that being said, probably is okay to check range. And that, that definitely would help my thinking on the river. But anyway, we do check back here, and I, I agree. I, I think this can can be a, a range check, and maybe that's just the case a lot on double-paired boards where it's like, you know, you can't... Those, those are, like, interesting heuristics to think about, I think, where you're like, well, you know, I can't get the money in any way. It's tough to get multiple streets of value with any hand, so, you know, let's just... And there's not many scare cards. Think, here's the thing, though. Like, by that logic, if you think that they're going to just going to be so hard to get value then like maybe you're passing up some great bluffing opportunities by checking range. but if we want to be balanced and again i think like there are enough bluffs on the river where 
you know, we have hands because, like, if we structure our bluffs correctly where our villain can show up here with hands like ace high and king high, then we can fold out a lot of those hands with hands that are worse than those. Yeah, it's, I, it's possible. Um, I, I don't know. I, I would probably not check range here personally. I think I would like to bet my 10s. I think I would like to have some bet folds even, and I would think I would also have, you know, have some of these really no equity bluffs like you know like your queen jacks and, and things like that i think i would bet turn here but i don't think checking your the turn is bad i'm just saying that isn't necessarily how i would approach it but i think would you, i mean would you definitely check turn with pocket eights yes yeah cool so you, <laughs> so yep, let's move on to the river where things get absolutely wild as the okay. river is going to roll off the six of spades so our hand is now downgraded to playing the board on 10 6 6 10 6 yeah okay uh, and the villain bets 75 villain bets 75 into 230 so they bet a third pot hmm. and now i am kind of thrown for a loop because i i and this is where sort of all our thoughts about and this is really where my turn range construction questions come into play because i now was started thinking like well, this is interesting because, like, obviously, and afterwards, you know, I want to have bluffs here. I want to have value raises here. I want to have calls here. Am I ever supposed to call for a chop in this situation when I'm getting this price? Well, you know, if you were calling to win, right, then you would be getting four to one. Yeah. But you're calling to chops, so you're getting two to one. Right. So... Uh... I think that's that's not well. So it's 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 like we need we need to we need to chop forty percent of the time, right? It's double the equity we need. Because well, no, like if if we were calling to win, we'd need to be good one in five times. One out of five. Right. But oh, I'm sorry. You're right. So we need to be good one in two point five. One out of two point. Yep. You're right. You're right. So you can think about it as though we would be getting. One and a half to one. One point five to one, I guess. Well, so clearly you can't call all your hands here, right? You know? I mean that's true. Um, so you would want to be like, uh, if I'm going to call the chop, I want to be blocking ten. But so. if we're and then, then this is where my where I then thought if we're if you know and this is again all thinking that really happened after the hand. But if we're blocking ten x, and especially if we have a hand like Queen Jack that's also blocking, like, the thin value hands he might do this with, like, queens or jacks. Mm -hmm. Which I don't, I mean, I don't necessarily know that he should be going for value with, like, jacks, because jacks is actually the weakest possible hand that doesn't play the board. But if we have a hand like queen jack and we're thinking about calling for a shop, is, isn't that the hand that we should be raising as a bluff? Yeah. Or pocket nines, because, I mean, maybe pocket nines is the best call, because pocket nines only blocks tens and doesn't block the... Thin value hands? Or maybe that makes it a better raise because he might fold out some of those thin value hands. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. So this is where I start I mean, getting... I, what I think you could do... It might be that, like, you can pick... Here's how you could approach this if you really wanted to be scientific about it. Like, you could pick what you want to bluff with. Right? You pick your bluffs. And then you could, for the rest of your range, just randomize it. Like, you could just be like, it's literally irrelevant. Just random. Like, if you're like, if I'm blocking a 10x, I want to bluff... And, like, you probably, if you're going to have a decent amount of raises, then, like, you probably need to 
use anything that block that like has a modicum of blocking 10x like needs to be a bluff right so then you can just be like for everything else i uh you know i randomize and i call and i guess it should be basically like 40 percent of the time right because we need to be good 40 percent of the time so yeah i mean you know you could simplify it as like one third or whatever but like yeah basically something like that okay well next Um, question (laughs) next question do you think we should be raising this river with pocket kings and pocket aces for value for value that's another thought i have when i was thinking because if not then i think like i the, the thing about this right is if you're saying we want to be raising a lot then, like, we need to be raising a lot of value. And, like, frankly, we don't have that much 10x. Like, yep, we got Jack 10, Queen 10, King 10, Ace 10, all probably not 100% of the time, and only two combos of each. Mm-hmm. Right? Because, like, that's just... Probably some 10-9 also. Yep, sure, probably some. So two combos of each of those, because obviously we're only raising the suited variety as a three-bet against under the gun. You know, we're probably not raising 10 nine. I mean, we're definitely not raising 10-9 100% of the time. The others might be close to 100%, but maybe, I, I don't know. I mean, I probably am three-betting all those all yeah, the time. Yeah, I think that you're supposed to. So yeah. But also, you know, when we raise, we obviously don't need that many bluffs, right? Like, even if we're, like, raising to pot, that means we only need, like, a third of our hands to be bluffs. Right. I mean, yeah, so, you know, so, if so you get, like, like, all five, of your, Five all bluffs of, if we know, only have ten value combos. Yeah, I mean, so all of your queen jacks and, like, you know that's gets you pretty close yeah and then like i guess maybe maybe like pocket nines is good you know because you're blocking yeah but if, and, and if we raise all our queen so so maybe that maybe we are supposed to raise aces and kings but those also don't block 10x which maybe make them less attractive raises yeah it seems like if you raise those hands it seems pretty tough for him to call with jacks right means like i don't know he might but Right, and it's like it's also oh, I blocking. Feel like most players wouldn't. It's also so, blocking any like air ball bluffs, like any ace high bluffs that he decided to bluff because he's now playing the board. Right. So, so maybe maybe that maybe that's it. Maybe we are supposed to raise our ten x and then like queen jack and like some and randomized pocket nines to to fill out the combos or or you know king jack or something. I don't know, but like yeah. uh, whatever. Some some bluffs. Excuse me, and then you just for everything else you just say, well, I'll call forty percent of the time. Yeah, so I was so unsure how to approach this spot because I was like, wow, this is like, you know, I'm playing the board, the bet is tiny, it's like, um, so I just flip in the call, I'm like, you know what, I gotta see it. Uh, and he shows Jack-Jack. Wow. Which, um, as I thought yeah. about it after, I was like, oh, Jack-Jack is actually the weakest hand that he can go for value with, so, owned. Absolutely owned. You got absolutely owned. and then because then i started thinking you know should i just be way should i just be like ripping in like a lot of hands that are now playing the board but i think now you know we've realized that that is over bluffing yeah i i don't think you need to like i think you could just raise like your good your 10x and be happy with that yeah and, and 6x i guess we do have 7 6 and 5 6 Yes, if you have quads, you're allowed to raise. Right, so that, but you know, that is relevant because it does add one more bluff combo, right? If it's two more value combos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, look, you know, you don't need to be that precise at the end of the day because balances only matters like how we're, at the end of the day, it's about our opponent's perception of us. Yeah, and that's true. So this spot just totally threw me for a loop because I don't know that I've actually had to face like a bet for a chop on a board that's, uh, you know, a full house. 
Yeah, that's a new one for me too. I, I think I've maybe seen the board run out of boat once, and but I, I don't really remember what happened. No, it's pretty uncommon. Uh, did you both get a high hand? No, no, of course not. <laughs> the, the high hands. No. Just kidding. Um, well, it's not like those high hands at Encore Boston are worth anything. Well, they actually do on uh, two days a week. It's just Sundays and Mondays they do the $500 in promo chips that you have to play through on the casino floor. But Tuesdays and Wednesdays, I think they do $1,000 in cash. So, well, good. But it's aces full of deuces minimum qualifier. So, Well, that's... Uh, actually, yeah, that's that's that can be kind of tough, depending on how many tables there are. Yeah, so, okay. so I just thought it was a really interesting hand. And, you know... To all of our listeners, we're sorry for wasting your time because you probably won't experience this scenario in this specific way a whole lot. So you could pretty much ignore everything we've said for the last 20 minutes. But if you're a long-time yeah, we- listener, you know that you could ignore everything we've said for the last hour and 10 minutes anyway. Exactly. The moral of the story is uh, ignore everything we said. Uh, keep doing what you're doing. You know, it's funny. Like, I... I at, at the very first episode, you know, for anyone who's been with us since then, we told you like, we told you that there's so much content out there to help you improve your poker game, where you can learn from experienced pros with with a track record in the game. And you know, I really hope that we've hammered home the point that this is simply not that content. Yeah, you know, we're trying our best. We're learning, but at the end of the day, we've only been playing for a couple of years, and it's a it's a long road. It's a long road to be good. And it's also, but, you know, on the bright side, there's also a long road of badness. I mean, I'll talk to players who've been playing for 20 years and uh, are still clicking buttons. So. Is that supposed to give me hope or be like a window into my future? Uh, I'll, let, I'll leave that up to the viewer. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for tuning in once again. Uh, you know, please like, comment, subscribe. Let us know how you like to play uh, limped pots and how you like to uh, exploit life tendencies. Or fail to do so. Bye, everyone. Have a good one.